Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies this week are Sergeant Kabuki, NYPD, and Super Fuzz from 1980. Sleep tight. The boys in blue are watching. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. How oh dare Noah's mom call him on his birthday. It does seem really inconsiderate. <sighs> I think there's a real possibility I'll get called away at some point to do it with my kid, too. Yeah? He's only been in bed for an hour and a half, and I've already had to go back up there once, so. That's so why you kick the door open and you'd be like, I'm not coming in here again. It's a good way to raise a kid. Well, yeah, you want him to hate you before he turns four. That way you don't him once he's grows up a little. Not so much hate you as fear you because you rule with an iron fist. Yeah. That's just He's not going to start fearing me anytime soon. <laughs> said baby try that that's what my parents tried and i totally turned out all right yeah. oh wait maybe don't do that get it Noah. you love your mom come on i hate it when people have good relationships with their family feeling <laughs> really triggered right now because you having a good relationship with your mom makes me feel bad about my own relationship <laughs> so i'm gonna need you to stop that yeah well that that was Unnecessarily truthful, Brian. <laughs> like, oh, that's why it bugs me when he's happy. It draws attention to my own unhappiness. <laughs> the other day, I asked my parents if I could come over to their house to do them a favor, and they said no. Something's going on, and I didn't ask any follow-up questions. And then later, I wondered, I, I, I must be a terrible person. No, because I like, can I come over tomorrow and do that for you? Uh. Oh, and, like, and then they're like. Now something's going on. I was like, oh, all right. Like, then I'm like, wait, I should probably be concerned. But Did you call a house phone or a cell phone? Oh, I did it by text, so I wouldn't get dragged into a conversation. Oh, so, cell phone. You know what that means? They went on, like, a tropical vacation and didn't tell you. No, it's nothing fun like that. Oh. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird enough that I feel like I'm better off not knowing <laughs> if I call an act concern now it's just going to come across as fake anyway <laughs> like I thought one of you might have fell yeah, down or something no no that's not it we just don't like you as a person <laughs> I thought one of you might have fallen down so like six days later I came by to check <laughs> <laughs> nope all good here everything seems fine families are weird so I've heard from my mom twice this whole time. 
in the whole pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I didn't have a kid, my parents wouldn't have checked in on me at all. <laughs> yeah, my mom texted me twice. She's like, how are you holding up? And I'm like, good. That's pretty much about it. I, uh, my niece showed up today to borrow something. She's like 20. She comes in, borrows something from me. And she's talking to the kid, and she's like, wouldn't it be nice if I came over for dinner next week? <laughs> like, so you came to borrow something and set up a chance for you to get free food? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, it's fine. I'll cook dinner for my nieces anytime they need it. As long as they don't come to borrow money. That's about the only thing where I'm like, nah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but he really needs it. Yeah. Oh my god, Noah. I think it would be easier just to replace you on the show at this point. Yeah. Do we know any orphans that would be willing to join our podcast so we never have to deal with them? Yeah. Uh, orphans? Anyone? <sighs> Should we start with that? Sure, why not? It is his birthday, and these are his movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, why did you pick these movies? Oh, really? That's interesting. That's a very theological reason. I was not expecting that. I don't know. Which one do you want to talk about? I don't know. Whatever. Or, I didn't like either of these movies. Well, let's talk about Super Fuzz first, I guess. Um, so, apparently a cop is exposed to some red uh, red explosion of some sort. And he gets superpowers. But in a weird twist of fate, the color red causes his powers to go away. Right. Uh, and then it's many an adventure of him using his powers to do such things as move a manhole cover so someone doesn't fall into a sewer... Uh, run really fast to talk to to a guy in a car and other such glorious hijinks. So you said you were not a fan of this movie. Well, okay. So my experience watching this movie was less than ideal. Mine too. Because this is <laughs> this is an American movie, but for some reason it's on Amazon Prime, but only in Italian, mm -hmm. and the subtitles didn't work. So I had to turn on closed captioning. Yeah. And the closed captioning was incomplete. So as I was watching the movie, uh, I think it was on two different occasions where, like, little brackets showed up and it said, insert text here, instead of whatever the characters were saying. <laughs> Plus, with the dialogue being in Italian, I know just a little bit of Italian. And it, I knew enough that there were a couple of times where I know the closed captioning was not repeating what the characters were saying on the screen. <laughs> like little details like when they're in the football stadium and he's talking about the crowd it's just referencing the crowd but I know what they're saying is numbers so I know that they're not it's not an exact translation and I'm just like god damn it that's really throwing me off <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this movie did not have a, a good start for me yeah uh, I got the subtitles to work so okay that was probably a better reading experience for me. But just in general, it's weird that you cannot find this movie in English anywhere. And uh, I tried. I mean, we, you know, we found I found multiple copies of it on YouTube, and they were all in Italian. It's weird because the movie's clearly shot in U.S., mm -hmm. starring U.S. actors. Yeah. So they must have spoken English on set. It, it only makes sense. And when I, when I posted that we were doing this movie, someone said, oh, I used to watch Super Fuzz all the time when I was a kid. 
And apparently this ran on HBO a lot. Okay. So I would think in the 80s that they would not be broadcasting the Italian version. I would also think that. That does get me to my one thing I would say about this movie. Is like, I think people who saw it as a kid might like it. Yeah. Because in some ways, a lot of the nonsense that goes on, I could see a kid enjoying it. There's like goofy, goofy comedy, like when the two cops are getting coffee and the guy uses his magic powers to pull the cup away from the other cops. Like, <laughs> what? How did you yeah. get that to yourself? Like, he basically uses the force to pull it over. And you're like, all right. Like, I don't, there's nothing interesting about that to me whatsoever. But I can imagine that, like, 10 year old me would have thought that was a little bit funny. Sorry about that, guys. So I hear Noah's back after spending a bunch of time talking to his mommy on his birthday. Jesus. Well, it's not just that. They're uh, they're flying into town on uh, Saturday, and I've got to pick them up and ship. God, that's even worse. Uh, more bullshit excuses. Uh, so what did you think of the movie Super Fuzz? Uh, so besides the fact that I had to watch it in Italian this time... <laughs> We're past pitching about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the only thing that's bad is that it, like it throws the humor off. Well, yeah. Something about reading a subtitle. Reading subtitles is not fucking funny. I get that there are these champions of subtitled movies and stuff, but fuck you. I'd rather have a dub just any fucking day of the week. I just don't give well, a shit. Te- technically, this was a dub because I'm pretty sure it was filmed in English and then dubbed into Italian and then uh, I, back with subtitles. I think it was actually a, uh, what do they call them, a native speaker film. So, like, the Italian actors are speaking Italian and the English-speaking actors are speaking English which doesn't make any fucking sense, but that's the way they would do shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of this movie before. I've sat down and watched it all the way through. I think my, my biggest complaint about the movie is that it feels too long for a comedy. Yeah. I like it just that. keeps going and going, going and going. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, I don't, I don't know. It's so ridiculous and silly and funny, and it's, it's basically what if Superman was a, a cop that's a dipshit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if Superman was an incompetent police officer? Yeah. What if Superman was an incompetent police officer and he hung out with <laughs> Ernest Borgnine, who was a borderline stalker of a famous actress? <laughs> Yeah, there's that whole subplot with like him knowing the famous actress was super fucking weird. Yeah. But, well, I love the fact that that entire fucking running bit in that movie is nothing but a setup for three quarters of the movie the way through when he tells her all the dude's secrets just because he's flirting with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like but, you could have dumped that and then you could have cut out the whole uh, death row scene. Like, I guess they decide if you killed somebody that they're going to try to kill you like two days in a row after you get arrested. I don't. <laughs> I, I, my problem isn't the uh, the death row scene. I think it's it's either a the placement of that scene mm. or or the execution of it, because. You know, the idea of her sneaking in the red flowers, you know, get it, you know, that's actually a a fairly good plot device, which would have been great 
if it was at the end of the movie and that was like a ratcheted up moment where you actually think he's going to die for a second instead of him just being like, hey, take those with you. <laughs> you dumb bitches. <laughs> well, it, the problem with it, too, is this real problem of like he's alone in a prison cell for long enough to it be t- his turn to die. Well, why didn't he just break out? Uh, they specifically say that she arranged it so that there was always something red visible around him all the time. But in his prison cell, he could just put that behind him and physically stare at the other wall, and then he'd be strong enough to break through that other wall. Uh, Well, I was going to say, couldn't he just close his eyes no matter what was going on? (laughs) Yeah, he could. His body can sense it. Because... Because sometimes he completely loses his power, though, right? When there's red around him. But then in that one scene in the football stadium or whatever, he just, he can make the whole crowd disappear except the guy that's wearing red. And then we're meant to believe only one person wore a red shirt out of the 50,000 that are at football games. <laughs> well, and but, there's there's several moments throughout the film that if you pay attention, there's like red shit in the room. Yeah. It's, it's just not a very well-made film. Yeah. But it's it's generally I I don't know if, how how into this kind of dumb comedy you guys are, but in general it's kind of funny. Like, and if you see the bits that I've seen in English, it's funnier because I mean, there's shit like Ernest Ernst Borgnine's funny. He's a funny guy. You know what I mean? He's got that weird voice and that charisma. That, but it's completely ruined whenever you change its tool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking deep voiced Italian man, which is not remotely close. Yes, yeah, yeah, I definitely think had I seen this in English when I was ten years old, I may have enjoyed it. But I, I could, I could see that too because I think whenever I first saw bits and pieces of it, I was catching it on like uh, Cinemax or HBO or something. Whenever I was younger, man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to build on, too, was if I would have saw this as a kid, I probably would have a lot of nostalgic feelings for it. Um, sort of like I do. There's a movie called Hero at Large with John Ritter that I really enjoy. And I feel like if I was really objective about it, it's probably not that great of a movie. But since I saw it as a kid, I, of course, absolutely love it. And I feel like I would have the same feelings with this movie, but since I had to watch it in English and did, co- did you guys... comedy does not translate very well when you have to read subtitles, as right. Noah kind of mentioned, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Did you guys talk about the fact that the opening credits for this movie are ungodly long? <laughs> no. Like, and they play the entire theme song of this movie, which has two kinds of lyrics and for some reason, has to be eight minutes long. It has to, it has to be. They needed more lyrics in the theme song. I think we can all agree to that. Yeah, it's just all. <laughs> luck, luckily for everyone involved, it was the only English we got to hear. So it's exciting. Right. You know what fucks me up is uh, after watching this movie, I, I hated that theme song, and I was like, that theme song's so fucking dumb. And then I would find myself at work at my desk going, Super Snooper! 
<laughs> Damn it! I was wrong. It's got it's got great seventies funk to it. Those sons of bitches. Got me again, Super Snooper. Yeah. Of the greatest joys in the world. I don't give a fuck <laughs> if you don't understand why it's so amazing that like they wrote a fucking song for this goddamn you. <laughs> I have to agree with you that when there's a theme song for a movie like this, it's just, it's fascinating. It's just, oh my God, I can't believe this exists. You know, it's different if you're making Men in Black and you get Will Smith to star in it and to do a song for it. It's when you're doing it for this low budget thing and you probably hired some fucking local band to to prepare this song that nobody will ever hear from again. There's something fascinating about that. I still don't want to hear the song ever again. <laughs> super, super. Stop doing that. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about how rapey this guy is with his girlfriend? Uh, not fucking cool. Because <laughs> the first the first couple times I was like, oh man, that's so seventies. I don't fucking like this. But then there's the scene where he with. Like, listen, you're going to marry me and I can force you to do it. And it's like, whoa, what in the fuck just happened? This got so dark. Why? Praying this to children as in, hey, guys, if you grow up, you could be just like this guy. <laughs> He's the hero of the movie. <laughs> you guys, besides the horrible rapey bit, do you guys have a favorite gag in the movie? Uh... Him running next to the car to talk to that guy, only because it reminds me of uh, Kung Fu Hustle when the uh, old lady's running down the street, uh, Looney Tune style. Oh my god, the, I've always the best part is when he jumps out of the police commissioner's window to try to prove that he can jump out of a building and not be hurt, and fucking he, he just <laughs> smashes into that car and breaks like every bone in his body. Yeah. Cut to him in a full body cast. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was mildly funny. Like my favorite was probably the coffee one, just because I was kind of tired when I watched this movie and I wanted a coffee. So, I'm like, oh, that guy gets a coffee. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, and then I love, I love. So towards the end, when they're trying to point out that this this gangster is printing money on his yacht or fishing boat or whatever the fuck it was, yeah. Uh, Ernest Borgnine gets left on the boat. And they throw him in the freezer and sink the boat. Then the, 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 I don't know, the actress lady basically just tells the police commissioner, like, oh, that guy killed his partner and sank the boat. And they're like, yeah, you're probably right. And <laughs> right. So, and so immediately, uh, not even time for a trial, <laughs> just throw him right into death row. And then he breaks out and saves Ernest Borgnine from the freezer. So obviously he hasn't been down there for longer than a week. You know what the weird? Actually, I assumed they Captain America at him. And the whole joke was that, yeah, that he's been frozen down there this entire time. It's very weird. It's also super weird that Jason X ripped this movie off and did the same plot point. Yeah, the guy's just like, remember that movie Super Fuzz or Super Snooper? If you're over in Europe, 
We should do that with Jason. Makes sense. Jason Voorhees! Oh, God, don't do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do agree I it's, it's very like, long, and it does not need to be. Yeah. And since, we're, since we discussed the rapiness, we should probably get into the racism. Because <laughs> that opening bit where the explosion happens, you know, we do have to remind that he... Oh, yeah. Peddled himself, paddled himself in a canoe through the Florida Everglades out to a Native American tribe to deliver parking tickets or something to that effect. <laughs> and the Native Americans, the best way I can describe it is they're living in huts that would be racist if they were the huts that an African tribe lived in in a 70s movie. <laughs> <laughs> they, they serve no purpose in there and I dare say I'm not an expert on the subject matter but I don't think there was a lot of Native American tribes still living in huts in the 70s in Florida <laughs> <laughs> it's very very strange and I don't understand why they do it and it, you know he could have been out there for any other reason and gotten hit by the explosion nope Gonna deliver to <laughs> deliver unpaid parking tickets. Not to mention the inherent racism in that the explosion is going to describe the destroy this town, and everyone's just okay with it destroying where these natives live. They're yeah, just comfortable but with that. There's a white officer out there. <laughs> Did you guys think that in a movie filled with ridiculous, over the top things that? The the thing that was just a bit too far was not Ernest Borgnine uh, riding on a hot air balloon made of chewing gum, but was the, I thought that was too far. No, it was the Looney Tune esque uh, him jumping off and the guy catching him and they drill a hole to China. <laughs> that's that's where I was like, mm, that's that's too much <laughs> you guys went way too far with that that's some straight up bugs bunny shit you just did it, it really was bugs bunny shit and i loved it when bugs bunny did it and i was a child and so maybe i would have found it funny in this movie if again if i'd been six when i saw this and it had been in english at the time i, I may have enjoyed it i can't it's hard for me to know i can't i don't see why the giant hot air balloon made it a bubble gum is not too far but the falling through the earth to China is too far. I mean, to me, they're one and the same. My, my two biggest concerns about the, the chewing gum hot air balloon was that, number one, it's not sticky for some reason. I think yeah, it would be. That's a real problem. And it's, it's a logic two, problem in this movie. And number two, Ernest Borgnine, like, licking it to figure out what it is. That mm. part grossed me out full on. I, I was that like, was ah, disgusting. stop it! <laughs> Yeah, that was too far. That's probably where the movie jumped the shark for me. I'm like, that's so gross. I know there's been racism and rapes and a lot of poorly timed humor, but you know, lick somebody else's gum. That's too much. <laughs> uh, one thing that we didn't bring up when discussing him going to this Native American village or whatever and then getting exposed to whatever the fuck was going on is that uh, everybody just assumes he's dead. So like, yeah, this guy's dead. It's too bad. But, Ernest Borgnine, you have to go start being a crossing guard now. For or a traffic cop. Or whatever. And immediately, like now, 
Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> and then the cop guy just shows up on his police bike and is like, hey, what's up? What? You're alive? So if he wouldn't have shown up, they were just going to leave him out there. They're just like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> there, was no, there was no, like, none of that makes any sense. And then him and Ernst Borgnett become uh, partners because he's back. And they're like, well, you're dead and you're a crossing guard, so go be partners together. <laughs> oh, 1980s logic. It's, uh, yeah. I was going to say, going back to the rapiness. So at the end of the movie, <laughs> whenever they're finally getting married and he has the weird internal monologue of where he's like, and I went through the whole house and took every red object out to make sure. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? She's she's your wife, not fucking Lex Luthor. <laughs> Until he pulls that veil off and she has red hair. And she's like, and I got you, motherfucker. Yeah, I fucking dig that. And then they do the thing where they kiss, and instead of just freezing the film, they make them stand there and awkwardly kiss, like, in place to make it look like a freeze frame. Weird. I don't know why they do that to people. Freeze oh. frame. Yeah, this movie was not uh, not great, but as we've said, if I was 10 and saw this, I would be like, this is the best movie ever. It's just so hard to be objective about it, watching it now and watching it under the circumstances that we Yeah, in fucking Italian for some reason. Yeah, I think I might spend the money to buy the DVD release just to have it in English. Mm. Braver man than me. I don't think I ever need to see it again. The weird thing is, of course, you know, we plug this into the podcast and then I'm on Facebook and like four people are posting things about this movie. It's the weirdest fucking. Are you on Facebook when you're supposed to be paying attention to everything we say in the podcast? No, I'm talking to like in general. I watched this movie a week or so ago. Okay. No, and just I was on Facebook and uh, uh, Monster Zero from Trick or Treat Radio posted that he was watching it and I was like. So fucking random. How often do you see somebody talk about this fucking movie? Never. I didn't even know it existed until we were going to do it for the show. Right. I literally never heard of it until you brought it up like on the show. And I'm like, I didn't even know what it was going in. Kind of figured the guru's going to be a cop that got superpowers based on the title, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I told you guys it's cop movie week. Yeah. <laughs> keep saying that like it's a thing but i'm not sure if it's a thing were there were, were there cops in this movie ish was was the cop the main character in the movie was he a cop or is that his defining characteristic because he's technically a superhero he's gonna get fired from his cop job as soon as they realize that he is he has no evidence for any of the crimes that he's supposed supposedly stopped so uh, probably not you- meant to analyze it on that level but I will let you know, it looks like the English DVD is going for 90 bucks on Amazon. Fucking balls. Yeah, so All right. enjoy that. Well, yeah, well, it's de- it's worth $5. <laughs> you can get a, uh, uh, looks like a French one for $23, but I bet that doesn't solve any of your problems. Oh. I want him to get the French one and watch it in French with Italian subtitles. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> Do you guys feel like so? 
You know, this is available on uh, Amazon Prime for the Italian version. Do you guys think maybe the reason why the English version isn't available on Amazon Prime is because they're selling it on Amazon for ninety nine fucking dollars? Well, it's it's a private seller on Amazon. It's not from Amazon directly. Ah, uh, still. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who's willing to pay $90 for this DVD, but good for you, I guess. There's a market for everything. Yeah, people are going to pay it, I guess. Charge whatever you want. Or maybe the person just really likes their DVD and they don't actually want it to sell, so they just yeah. overpriced it so they get to keep it. This girlfriend's making them sell it. She's like, I am not watching this fucking movie again. You're going to sell it. <laughs> so, so, so help me God, if I come home and I hear, super stupid, I'm divorcing you and burning the house down. <laughs> okay, I'll put it for $90. It'll never sell. All right, well, Noah, since you picked these movies, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us all about... Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Uh, well, it's a classic story. You know, cop, cop takes on corrupt corporate guy and evil street preacher. Uh, there's a little bit of subtext about him getting the powers of Kabuki from an old man <laughs> on accident after uh, stopping a murder in a theater. <laughs> Stop Stopping period question mark period I don't uh, think he stops any murders I think he maybe causes the murder to take a little longer yeah, this, is a, this is a lot of a lot of death uh, he gains such incredible powers as uh, super flying chopsticks and a uh, a fan that can like blow people away and is bulletproof it's pretty dope and if he activates his powers wrong, he turns into a clown instead of a kabuki man. This is the weirdest addition to this movie. And that's saying a lot for this movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's got uh, an Asian lady that's training him. And basically the entire point of the kabuki man is that he has to be ready to stop the evil one from gaining his powers under a very specific set of circumstances. <laughs> yeah. So it's delightful. And it's got a sick theme song. Kabuki man. <laughs> Judging by your silence, you guys don't love this movie as much as I love uh, this I don't love it as much. I will say that fucking theme song, though, was pretty awesome. It's pretty dope. I and, very much enjoyed it. And I defy you both to say that this movie is not fun. Because this is actual old good trauma where... Uh, the, all the bad parts are still there being bad but it's shot like an actual movie mm -hmm. and there are legitimate actors mixed in with the random assholey trauma people that they just jam into every movie even though they can't act so this is more of what I think of as a trauma movie than right. the, a lot of the newer stuff the funny thing is um, like I had seen Toxic Avenger when I was younger, but never really put like a, like a label on sort of the movie until I was in college and somebody did a report on trauma movies. And so they showed a, like sort of a clip reel of stuff from trauma movies and Sergeant Kabuki man was in there and that made me go, what the fuck? 
And then I kind of was like, oh, okay, this is a whole, this is a whole thing. It's not just like the two movies. It's like a whole sort of its own genre. So then that kind of clued me into what a trauma movie was. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, trauma is its own thing. It's a, it's a very insular yeah. existence. Doug, you're being quiet. What did you think of Kabuki Man? I, I was bored watching this movie. How? Okay, of all of the reactions you can have to Sergeant <laughs> Kabuki Man, bored, I don't fucking understand. It, what what moment of this movie is is boring? Confusing, I can understand. <laughs> this this felt like like an in living color skit dragged out to full length. You know what? You're it, not wrong. The 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 joke was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was a superhero that had the powers of Kabuki? But the problem is it's the joke. And not one of the many, many jokes, except for the occasional, like, really bad uh, homophobia that they just trickle in throughout the whole movie. But, you know, it was, it was the 90s and trauma, so whatever. But, yeah, it just it just felt like there's – wouldn't it be funny if he was in different situations and he started to transform? Yeah, I mean, you didn't find you didn't find the training sequence to be delightful where she tricks him into like locking himself into hanging upside down and then starts basically beating him in the dick with a wooden bowl. I mean, in all honesty, the movie wasn't holding my attention by that point. Um, Jesus. Even though I actually paid money to see this movie because I could not, it's not available on any of the normal streaming services. And I, it's on Amazon Prime. Not in Canada. It's not. Are you are you 100% sure cuz there are two different ones on Amazon Prime and you have to be very careful cuz one of them is not available and the other one is. I don't know, but I used to it's, just watch. It's kind of a it's kind of a moot point now though. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. Don't tell me I wasted my dollar 99 now. That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman needs that dollar. <laughs> He's he's blowing some dude right now, right now for pocket change. I really, really wanted to enjoy this movie, too, because when I was looking for it, I found like every other trauma movie available for free. <laughs> like, oh, I should go back and watch all of these because I seem to recall younger me enjoyed like at least the Toxic Avenger movies. But now I'm scared to go back and watch those because I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure how well that's going to work out. I think trauma is just not for me. I think that's all there is to it. Yeah, they do their I own learned thing. that a while ago. I, I was going to say, now, I know you guys are probably aware of the fact that the Toxic Adventure had a Saturday morning cartoon called Toxic Crusaders, yes. which, which, which is fucking weird. One of the most yeah. nightmarish earworm uh, theme songs that you've ever heard in your entire life. I'm, I mean, I'm sure parents killed themselves because of their theme song. I, mean, I, I don't understand why Troma would be having children's cartoons in the yeah. first place. I don't understand oh. any of that. Well, true story. Sergeant Kabuki Man had a pilot episode for another Saturday morning cartoon called, and it's like Sergeant Kabuki Man in the Kabuki Squad or something, sure. where instead it's like five dudes get the power of Kabuki. Just 
that's five times as many cops calling him a faggot for him walking around the outfit. <laughs> I, I don't understand how you translate this movie into kids' stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's delightful. I highly advise people go onto YouTube and find that uh, pilot episode. Check it out. You know, we do live in a world where Rambo had a Saturday morning cartoon. That's actually very true, yeah. And uh, RoboCop. RoboCop had a Saturday morning cartoon. But even, even with those, I still don't understand what kind of logic goes into, hey, remember that movie where they make the nerd dress up in a tutu and then throw him in toxic waste? And then he fucks a blind girl and there's lots of swearing and they crush that kid's head under the car? We should make a Saturday morning cartoon out of that. My, my assumption has to be the people who signed on for that cartoon had not seen the movie. That's no. a, that's the only assumption I could make. A, and here's here's a true thing that uh, people can disagree with me or not on it. That cartoon's fucking awesome. It's really really funny. There aren't a lot of episodes, but it was it was clever, and they did like the same dumb joke over and over and over again. And I think it only got funnier as the episodes went on. Where like the the main evil guy has a little henchman guy who basically gives the entire plot of the episode at the beginning of the episode every time. The guy's like, ah ha ha, you know, I will dump the gasoline into the river. And he's like, yeah, but what if some guy falls into a vat of toxic waste and gets superhuman powers and comes back and stops you? <laughs> he's like, ah, that would never happen. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's fucked. I feel like of all the, like all the, cause right now, like movie documentaries is kind of a thing, you know, people making documentaries about certain cult movies and all kinds of stuff like that. I feel like this is a documentary. Like how did this toxic Avenger get its own Saturday morning cartoon? I feel like this is a subject worthy of at least an hour documentary. Somebody tell yeah. Lloyd to get on it. No, you need somebody objective to make it. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to say, so, so here's the thing about documentaries. You probably need somebody that could uh, put one together and market it and make money. I'm just saying. And Troma, bless their souls, can't market shit. <laughs> I don't know, I feel Troma does a good job with their marketing. Look at how much that guy's made a career out of these movies like he's it's niche I feel, late, but. I feel like he he was good at the old way of marketing I feel like he has not caught up to the internet way of marketing stuff Fair as enough. much as he's tried I mean the sheer the sheer talent that has come out of trauma is is mind boggling mm, no. well James Gunn alone is mind boggling then everybody else is just a bonus. Uh, I mean, fucking Kevin Costner. Yeah. What in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start somewhere. I'm just saying, Kevin Costner was discovered by Lloyd fucking Kaufman in a movie called Sizzle Beach. <laughs> God bless America. That is fucking... That is the American dream. You could be in some sleazy titty movie in the 80s and <laughs> go on to be a beloved actor. Go on to be Dances with Wolves. Come on. 
Right. I don't know. So what's I'm all the so, stuff you love about this movie, Noah? I don't know. There's okay with the uh, the homophobia aside because we have to set that aside because Troma <laughs> does Troma does sleaze and they usually amp up the sleaze and this is in the eighties so you have amped up eighties sleaze which is about as sleazy as it gets. Okay. I, I mean, short of a Fulci rape revenge movie, you don't get worse. But you have to also recall that if you take out the homophobia, you've eliminated, what, 60, 70% of the dialogue? <laughs> it, it, it's that much. It's not a little bit. No, I, I agree with you. Like, And it's problematic, but at the same time, this movie's really fucking fun. <laughs> I know it's a ridiculous superhero origin story, and uh, his his powers are crazy, and uh, the fact that they uh, – so at this point, there's a difference between 80s trauma and 90s trauma, and this is like right before they started to uh, uh, turn the wrong way in the skid. This one, they get – that it's cheesy and commit to it just enough that the cheese is fun. In the nineties, they go way overboard and then it's cheese for cheese sake. And they think that the cheese being overdone is funny and it's not, (laughs) but like the, uh, the, I can't remember the character's name, the, the Asian chick who trains him, uh, the whole thing of her repeating the entire fucking diatribe about when the monkey rides the jaguar (laughs) (laughs) and the tiger feasts on the nubile. It's fucking funny. Her hitting a dude in the dick with a stick. It's fucking funny. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's just not for me. I did think the joke of having like the actual like animals there at the end of climax. It's like, oh, there's there's the monkey and the jaguar. All right, it's gonna try to make one ride the other. I do, I do, I do lo- yeah, I do love the fact that they set it up to make it all literal at the end, and then all of a sudden they do. But basically, they do the joke over and over again with each one of those things. They're like, oh no! <laughs> the tiger's feasting on a nubile! Oh no! Get out of that jaguar, monkey! <laughs> <laughs> it's just the monkey in an actual jaguar trying to turn it on. I don't know. That's fucking funny to me. I did enjoy that. I thought that was pretty fun. So, not my least favorite movie, but definitely solidifies that I'm just not a trauma person. Yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't hate this the way that I've hated some of the other trauma movies we've talked about on this podcast, but I just didn't want to watch it. And I was feeling that while I was watching it, which is problematic. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say, it's a pretty good, uh, I think Kabuki Band's a pretty good depth test for if you'll like trauma stuff or not. Because mm-hmm. Kabu- between Kabuki Man... Uh, Class of Newcomb High and Toxic Adventure. Those are basically the three best. There are some other ones like Troma's War and uh, Tromeo and Juliet and uh, uh, Terra Firmer. Those those movies, they're like secondary awesome, but they're not good in the way that these are good. And if you can't get down with these, then you might as well just go up and walk away because they're not your thing. <laughs> 
I did. Uh, I did watch like half the last half of Troma's War when he was on Joe Bob. <laughs> it's probably about the same as most like cheesy like action war movies that we've covered on this show. Oh yeah, it's uh, uh, God damn it! What's what's the one we did? That's uh, we did it with the uh, the Ice T movie, and now I can't even remember what the fuck the name of the movie is. Where the dude's out in the woods, and it's the uh, blonde bodybuilder looking guy trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. But yeah, it it's a very good comparison to Troma's War because that's kind of what Troma's War is taking a, a dig at. All right, well, anything else before we move on? Kabuki man. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, we do have one piece of feedback. Oh, yeah? Yeah, our good friend Brian said, Hey guys, just wanted to wish a happy birthday to the most intellectually stimulating member of your posse. I would assume that means Noah. Uh, Stimulating. You always pick the best movies, and because of you, I can't listen to your show in front of my kids due to your constant barrage of F-bombs. But I wouldn't want it any other way. Happy birthday, Noah. Here's to many more. Also, You know what what the truth is? I really try not to fucking do that. (laughs) (laughs) Also just caught up with Color Out of Space. Absolutely loved it. Not sure if Noah or Doug saw it, but Brian, did you remember the performances being really hammy? Well, I mean, you just said Nicolas Cage was in it, so yeah. Uh, I mean, it didn't really matter because we got a new phase of Nick Cage's career, crazy old man Nick Cage. I can't say if it was accurate retelling of the Lovecraft stories. I've never read it, but take it for face value. It's a great film. Uh, I absolutely loved that movie. And would recommend everybody watch it. And, I, I uh, keep meaning to see it. I just haven't had a chance. As I've mentioned, Nick Cage reprises some of his performance from Vampire's Kiss in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, As far as being accurate, I honestly don't remember if it's super accurate, but it's. I think it's got the, the at least the bare bone structure of the story. That's all you really need. And if you want to t- see another take on it, watch the 80s movie, The Curse, starring Will Wheaton. Because it's another version of the same story. Well, that sounds like it's a podcast episode right there. Color Out of Space and The Curse? Yeah. All right, usually you hate doing new movies, so I didn't want to. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you'd have to significantly change that story to make it filmable. Mm-hmm. The, the, the actual Lovecraft story, nothing happens. Yeah. Um, and he says, lastly, Doug, you mentioned that you watched The Ruins a few weeks back. I actually watched that after Tony and Ted recommended it way back when, and you're right. It's a ridiculous plot, but it works. Well, I picked up the novel on Prime, $5 digital download. I'll let you know how it is. As always, love the show. Keep it up and take care. Oh, that's awesome. I hope he likes the book so he can recommend it to me so I can say I'm going to read it and then never get around to it. <laughs> 
That is our MO. With books, it's way worse for me than anything else. Mm. I just, I was literally at my parents' house, like, I don't know, a week ago. And I'm like, I was thinking about the fact that I want to read more H.G. Wells. And it occurred to me that I should just go and get some of the H.G. Wells books that I bought in high school. That the first time I decided I was going to read H.G. Wells. <laughs> so I grabbed my copy of The Invisible Man. I'm like, I'll finally read this. It's been in my parents' house since I was like 16, I think. It's, uh, I haven't turned a page on it yet if anyone's waiting for the follow-up comments. <laughs> like, I took it from my parents' house and it got brought it here and put it on my kitchen counter. And one day I'll clean my kitchen and it'll get put away somewhere and I'll <laughs> never see it again. It'll look really good on that hey, bookshelf. Have you read any of his other books or are you starting with Invisible Man? I've read uh, Island of Dr. Moreau, which I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, I was I was getting ready to say I would start with Island of Dr. Moreau or The Time Machines. Or, yeah, The Time Machine or War of the Worlds is good too, but like a lot of the adaptations of it have been so faithful that yeah that if you've seen enough of them you've, you've pretty much read that book you don't yeah. need to read it so that's the only one of his I have read it's War of the Worlds uh, alright did anybody watch anything since two weeks ago uh, I watched the new Patton Oswald special oh yeah it's pretty funny I dig it and he tagged uh did you watch it by any chance? Uh, I don't. It's in my queue. So ha- only half of the uh, thing is actually his special. And then he tagged some other guy who's apparently some kind of a famous comedian guy who's been out of the game for a little while onto the back end doing a special at a smaller venue. And I tried to watch it and I don't. I don't get what the fuck that dude's doing. <laughs> have, have you ever seen a comedian and and been like, I don't get this. I don't, I don't get any of it. Is, is it funny? Why are people laughing? Cause the people in the audience are laughing, but he's not, there are no jokes. It's just the only thing that's funny is it's almost like this rapid fire stream of consciousness one thing leads into another thing barrage of words but they aren't jokes do you know do you know what the guy's name is fuck i don't i don't <laughs> fucking know gonna make me google it i'm just saying it's been a long it's been a long time since i turned off a comedy special in the middle of it and was like yeah this isn't worth my time and I did it on that guy because I was like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, let me see. Bob Rubin? Yes. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, neither did I. Apparently for good reason. I don't know. Maybe other people, if if you're a fan of that guy and, and you can, like, tell me why it's funny, maybe I could enjoy it in some weird artistic way. But I... I didn't, I don't think I, I watched it for like 20 minutes and I didn't laugh a single time at anything. I was like, okay, you're just saying words. Comedy is very, very subjective and stand-up comedy can be even more so. So maybe they, it's just not for you. Uh, yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta be something like that. Cause I feel like normally 
if if a joke doesn't land on me, I still see it. You know what I mean? I still see the joke. I'm just like, that's not the type of joke I find funny. But this guy, there are no jokes. It's just, like I said, he's just saying things very quickly. <laughs> like, that's his entire shtick. It's hard to explain. Uh, so I did that. Um, I rewatched Hellboy. The new one? No, the old one. Oh, good. I still haven't seen the new <laughs> one, and I don't know if I ever plan on. I don't. I don't hate the new one. It's not. I here's here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you that it's as good as the uh, Del Toro version, but it never was going to be. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's an idiotic thing to try to compare. That'd be like somebody remaking a fucking Kubrick film. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it won't fucking work. Like. But like I said, I don't. I just don't hate the new one. I I thought I think uh, what's his face is Hellboy was really good casting. I think that the the new one suffers from pacing and uh, and a grotesque overuse of bad CGI. But besides that, it's I mean it's it, it's more like a Hellboy comic than the Del Toro ones are. Uh, yeah, but it's still good. It holds up. The first one holds up really well. Hmm. I don't think I don't think the second one holds up as well as people seem to think it does. But the first one holds up really good. Yeah, I haven't watched them in a while. Yeah, I don't ever remember having like basically any criticism about the Del Toro Hellboy movies. Every time I watch them, I seem to enjoy them, but it has been a while. Uh, the first time I saw the second one, I thought it reeked a little bit of superhero sequel. Which, I mean, that's what it is, so that's kind of to be expected. Yeah. Where they tried to go bigger and better and more characters and, ah, you know. But, I don't know. It just doesn't. The first one's so good and so well thought out and put together. And all the characters have these really good arcs to them. And the second one's more of just an action movie. Uh, and then... Something and I have to look at my Facebook to remember what the fuck it was. I know it was a zombie movie. Oh, that's a, that's what it was. It was zombie. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I would say you know what the problem with zombie movies are. The ones I like, I've seen them so many times now that they just bleed together in my brain. They're all just one big clusterfuck of zombie. Like, is this is this the one with the motorcycle gang or the one where a zombie bites a shark? So <laughs> what are they other? But yeah, eye popping. Gotta love that eye popping scene. Yeah, no, I want to rewatch that. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so fucking. It's so fucking solid. Like I just, it's it's one of those movies that I don't get why it's not slightly more mainstream than it is just because it's so good and I can't imagine anybody would watch it and say oh that's not a scary movie you know you know what I mean yeah when I uh, when I try to get people to watch it who haven't seen it before I just tell them okay there is a scene this is in the 70s or 80 like early 80s or whenever it was there's a scene where a zombie literally fights a shark. People go, what? And I'm like, yes, you heard me correct. 
and it's too early for CGI, so it is literally a guy dressed up as a zombie fighting with a real shark. I love I love the fact too that everybody always assumes whenever you tell them that that it's going to be like a uh, blue screen effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? That it's this dude going ah in a, in a video of a shark, and it's like no, they put a dude in full clothing, <laughs> in full zombie makeup, in a tank with a big fucking shark. It's not a little shark. It's a big fucking shark. <laughs> yep. You guys say it like that. You make it seem like it's unsafe. I don't know and what the criticism poured, would be. And then poured what I'm hoping is fake blood into that <laughs> tank. Because if that's real blood, I bet that shark was going berserk. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> That usually hooks people. They're like, well, now I got to watch it. And I'm like, yeah, you do. So, yeah, I found the hardest thing. So the hardest thing to sell uh, the normies on are dusty zombies. Like, man, American American mainstream audiences do not like those dry, dusty, crumbly Italian zombies. For some reason, I don't. I always thought they looked cool, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they look awesome. I would say through multiple movies, they don't always work, but uh, I think zombies are a pretty safe bet. Who's the, who's the famous zombie from that one? Is that, what's his name? Uh, is that Maggot Face? Is that what they call him? Oh, or Worm Face or something call. like that? But it's the one that's always on the cover. Yeah. He's real gross looking. Yeah, fantastically gross looking. The funniest the funniest complaint I ever heard about it is somebody said, well, that doesn't look like a real zombie. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> hold, hold on. <laughs> and I need you to take a step back and think about the sentence you just said. Years ago, I was at a convention and I was went to a screening of some like, you know, D-grade horror film and the filmmaker was there to take questions and somebody did they said like well that monster looked really fake and he just, he just stopped and waited for a moment he goes yeah, yeah monsters are fake next question <laughs> like, it, was like, <laughs> it was awesome I mean short short of saying I could see the zipper like I don't want to hear people's fucking complaints about it. <laughs> it's like well you make a better one oh you can't then shut the fuck up <laughs> I like how now we are criticizing everyone else who has the nerve to criticize movies in the yeah. Yeah. movie podcast. Fuck certain, it's, just, it's just certain things like uh, uh, whenever people say, you know, it's just a dude in a rubber suit. That makes me so angry because I'm like, yeah, but that's the best. That's the best monster is a dude in a rubber suit. What the fuck are you talking about? What would you prefer? CGI? Fuck that. Dude in a rubber suit. Puppet, maybe some stop motion animation down with all of it. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think I watched anything else. What about you, Doug? I got a few things. I'll start with a. I rewatched a comedy film from '94 called The Stone Age, which I highly recommend if you're one of my like five friends from high school that. Would be very nostalgic watching it, but I don't have a lot else to say about it. You know, our conversation from earlier about how if you see something when you're a kid, you'll just really like it. Still, when you're an adult, 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure I enjoyed watching this movie purely on nostalgia basis. But, uh, I don't know. Like yeah, say, I could it, never it, get into that one for some reason. No, I... Like, I really got into Days of Confused, but for this one, never well, didn't do anything for me. It's funny because people think they're very similar movies, but they're not. Because yeah. Days of Confused is... It's essentially a drama film, right? It has funny elements to it. But it's essentially a, like a coming-of-age drama about these kids. Stone Age is just slapstick comedy, most of which does not work very well. And they rely very heavily on that joke of where you, if you repeat the same thing multiple times throughout the movie, it'll start to become funny. Which objectively isn't funny, but it made me laugh when I watched the movie because of the nostalgia factor, so... I don't know. I just thought I'd mention it, but I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't. I don't want somebody to watch it and be like, "Well, that wasn't good," and I'd be like, "Shut up." Was so. I could probably track down four different guys I went to high school with who would still find this funny. So <laughs> it must be good. Um, the next thing I watched, which actually was really good, is a movie called uh, "Mom," which is M dot O dot M dot stands for Mothers of Monsters. And it is a basically a found footage film about a mom who starts documenting her kid's life because she's convinced that he's a psychopath. He's going to end up killing people. And most of the movie is... You don't really know, I guess, whether he is a psychopath, but you start... You kind of start to see his behavior constantly go from like like if he's talking to someone else and then the way he reacts when he's alone with his mom because we've got the footage of both and we've got her getting more and more scared I'm speaking into the camera constantly and it is it's a really good movie um really um really effective and creepy and you really start to feel for the mom like what would you do in those circumstances I cause you know she's by the time you've got like a teenage boy in your house they can probably physically outpower their mom if they want to and if you're convinced that they're a psychopath you might kill people but yet they've managed to convince everyone else that they're not what the hell are you going to do about it and things start to get quite dark there are uh, points in the movie where you start to be convinced that maybe she's the crazy one but it doesn't really lean too heavily onto that one so you think about that you think about that Doug eventually Little Lando's going to be big enough to kick your ass. Then what are you going to do? He's going to move out, concede the house to him. <laughs> it's like you win, son. You were right. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a really confrontational character. You may have noticed that. I'd probably just be the first time. I'd be like 14. <laughs> I'm sick of your shit. Fine, I'll go. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Just hope he's not a psychopath. I don't know how to deal with that. I'm sure most parents don't. You deal with it the same way. You just move and don't tell. Somebody else will figure this out. That's what the people who adopted the evil Ukrainian midget did. They just moved to Canada. I don't see why I can't do the same thing. Anyways, yeah, I, I would recommend tracking down Mothers of Monsters. It's actually, I think it's free most places. I think watch, I can't remember, maybe Tubi. Um, even though it's a new movie, for some reason it's free. And people should watch it. I don't 
it makes no sense to me why I had to pay Sir to see Surgeon Kabuki Man, but I got to watch this one for free. But that's how it is. <laughs> the world doesn't make a lot of sense. That's how the world works sometimes. Doug. It's it confuses. Me. Yeah, it's surprisingly good performances too. I should point that out. You know, there's only really two characters that need to give performances in uh, Mom, but it's they're both quite good. And then for some reason, Ed Asner has a cameo, which really threw me off. I'm like, what's he doing in this? It's weird. Every time I see him, I'm like, didn't he die like five years ago? And then I look, I'm like, no, he's still alive. He's one of those guys, too, that went from like, he didn't seem that old. And then all of a sudden he was really old. And you're like, oh, I guess he was a lot older than I thought. So I guess he'll die now. And then he didn't die when I was assumed he would so that's weird <laughs> it, it, it does seem like he should be dead now I don't know the polite way to say that is there, is there a better way to say that <laughs> that he's doing cameos in these weird direct to streaming horror movies for some reason gotta pay for that medication somehow I guess he does he did look rough it's, I, I kind of felt bad for him when I saw his performance is fine um, next thing I watched I finally got around to the movie Galaxy Quest that I probably have been meaning to watch since it was new. How the fuck have you never seen... I thought we did Galaxy Quest. (laughs) We didn't, did we? No. (laughs) Because uh, I've never seen Galaxy Quest. Really? What the hell is happening right now? We should have done a Galaxy Quest in the Three Amigos show is what we should have done. Oh, yeah. I think I think what it is, I'm not really a big Star Trek person. And knowing it's kind of a play on like like you said, the three amigos of Star Trek. At least that's how I perceived it. I think that just kind of kept me away from it. Yeah. I well, don't I, I don't think that's inaccurate, but it stands on its own. Yeah, I, Yeah. It it definitely is the three amigos, but with Star Trek. But keeping in mind that you've got Alan Rickman, Sigourney Weaver giving great performances. Sam Rockwell is fantastic in this movie. You know, just, just even like, it's weird. Cause even like the small, like background characters, like Rain Wilson shows up in a role, like and he wouldn't have been famous yet at the time. Like Justin Long was in this movie. He's like, that's weird. But those performances are essential to this being a good movie. And Tim Allen is really well cast as like, He's essentially the Shatner of the group, and he doesn't have to act in order to do that, which is convenient. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. When it gets towards the end, it's like all of these types of movies. It gets towards the end, and the action part kind of kicks up. That's where it kind of like loses me a bit. Like this is supposed to be funny, be funnier. But uh, yeah, I really felt like Alan Rickman was kind of revisiting his character from. Uh, uh, dogma. He was just like constantly frustrated with everything around him at all times, and I like it when he does that performance. So yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So sorry I waited like twenty years to watch that from when it came out. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pause this for one moment because I feel offended that you just listed tons and tons of people that were in this movie and somehow skipped over Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> oh, you know what? Honestly, I skipped over him because I can never remember his name. <laughs> but he was actually probably one of the better performances in the film. Like, he's he's like, fucking great. He's great in everything. I fucking yeah. love that dude. He was a. 
there, there's a moment where he like misses getting beamed up because he's like trying to get snacks out of a snack machine and it's super funny it's like it's just his, he just turns around and everybody's gone he's like what the hell what happened here <laughs> I really like it and he has a whole like a whole plot point where because they're all so I guess Brian you haven't seen it but they get up there and there's a spaceship that's designed to look exactly like the one that they had in the show and they are it's literally the controls have been designed to work like the show based on these aliens studying the hand movements of the characters so most of them can do everything just fine because they just sit down and do what they did during the show and they've been doing at conventions for years but the Tony Shalhoub character is like super nervous because he's in charge of beaming people and he basically can't remember exactly what to do with his hands so it keeps going wrong and it's pretty funny to watch him like freaking out standing there in that little like transporter room one of one of the best jokes in that entire movie is so Alan Rickman's character is the only one that's not human. Essentially, he's the alien and he gets to his quarters and he's like, where's the toilet? And they're like, oh, it's in here. And it's this like horrible nightmare contraption. And they're like, now and they never showed it in the show. But judging from what we've learned about your anatomy through the various episodes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone except Brian and I saw Galaxy Quest a long time ago. But if you haven't seen it, it's, it's really worth checking out if, if you're into that kind of movie at all. Yeah, it's one of those movies, too. It kind of bombed whenever it came out. It did not. It underperformed really badly. And it's fucking great. It's a great movie. Yeah. I'm super happy I watched it. It, was, it got a lot of, like, weird little things right, too. Like, when they get into, like, the real space battles, it's funny the way that they they still film it like an old Star Trek episode where, like, when the thing shakes, they all kind of fall down the way they would have in the 60s series. And I'm like, that's genius because it's adding this, like, weird metal level of comedy onto an already meta movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, everything about the way it was made. And the aliens look surprisingly good for a movie of this nature. Even the 1999 CGI actually holds up pretty well. Yeah, I'll have to put this on my list to watch at some point. Yeah. I'd rewatch it if we if we team it up with Three Amigos for a show. Mm-hmm. Because it's a perfect show. And then I'd probably end up watching My Name is Bruce that week, too, because it's the same plot. <laughs> so, come to, turn, come to think of it, the plot's not that original. I'm sure there are other examples of those as well. Um, did I watch anything else? I probably did. Mm, oh, yeah. Probably. I watched, I rewatched for some reason, and it was, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it, but I rewatched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead for 1991. <laughs> ah! That's right. It, Is it because uh, you saw they had announced the remake? No, I did not know that they had announced a remake. That they just did, like a week ago. Really? That's a complete coincidence. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I did not know that that was true. No. Uh, I think you rewatched it because Kevin Smith tricked you into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like what I put on Instagram is true that the phrase, the dishes are done, man, it's been stuck in my head for a long time. And I do say it every now and again to people and nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. But then in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, they have the actor show up and repeat that line several times. So 
I got it in my head. I started to believe that the movie must be very funny and other people must really like it. And that's why Kevin Smith is referencing it. But that's not the case. It doesn't hold up at all. No, no. It's so I would argue it was funny. I don't even know if that's true. Like there's not much funny about the movie. And it's so kind of stereotypical plot wise where it's just like, like it has the, the character that lies and says she has all this talent. She gets a job out of it, but then she saves the day. So no one cares that she lied and everything works out fine. And all that kind of typical <laughs> late eighties, early nineties plot points like that, where I'm just like, I don't care about any of this. And it's just, the jokes don't really work. There's no, like, like I say, there's no plot points that make any sense. So is it okay? Does it just work as slapstick comedy type stuff? And no, not really. So what's the point of the movie? And it has like actors in it that like Christina Applegate would have just been coming off of Married to Children. That show is still funny if you watch it now. Mm-hmm. It has Danielle Harris in it when she was like doing really good work in the Halloween series around this time. So we yeah. know she could act if they'd given her some proper stuff to do. Yeah, she still would have been on Married Children at this point. Okay. Because that didn't, I don't even think that ended until like what, 97, 98, something like that. What? Really? Yeah. It was on for 11 seasons. Jesus. That's weird. I didn't realize it went that late, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, because sometimes when I see reruns and I, you know, you click on the info button, I'm like, oh, season 10. Yeah, it went till 97. 10 seasons, I guess. That's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. This was supposed to be a big transition into movies and it didn't work out because the movie's not very good. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those movies that I liked when I was younger. And I may have the nostalgic uh, sort of looking back on it like we've talked about earlier. But yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I don't even know if I really want to try it. No, I, I don't recommend it. I can't think of a single joke in the movie that was funny. Not even Dishes Are Done, man? No, it's not funny. <laughs> she tells him to do the dishes, and then he throws the dishes in the air and shoots them like they're skeets. Yeah. But then that's, the inherent weird implication is that these like metalhead teenagers think skeet shooting is a fun game. Which just didn't seem right. It is when it's dishes, man. The only thing that was funny to me about the movie was like, because Christina Applegate's character like lies to get a job at this fashion company thing. And it's hilarious that it's like, because it comes out in 91. And I know like in retrospect, what fashion was like in the years like 92 through 96. <laughs> so it's hilarious that in 91, they were like touting this type of fashion. And they're like, look at how great this is. This is what you need to do fashion. is you need to look like you've done a lot of heroin and you dress like a homeless person. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that is not what they were touting in 91 as the future of fashion. It's all like, it, I don't know how to describe it, but it's very late 80s fashion that had just not quite died yet when they filmed this movie, but may very well have been dead when they made it. When it, like, even when the movie came out, this fashion might have looked ridiculous. It's like, but when it, I don't, didn't double check when this was released in comparison to Nevermind, but it's, I know it's the same year, and it's problematic for the people in this movie, especially because, like, there's a whole plot point with the the metalhead brother is like 
he has to clean himself up and he gets the haircut and now all the girls start to like him and all that. And I'm like, oh, you're going to regret that haircut very shortly. <laughs> you, you, just, you just went and became the nerdy kid. <laughs> right before you would not have to have changed anything. Yeah. Like, like he's literally walking around in like plaid shirts and Metallica t-shirts for half the movie. And then he cleans himself all up at the end and like, puts on like a dress shirt and gets his hair cut and I'm like oh though you did those in the wrong order <laughs> <laughs> that's 1989 that you want to get a haircut in <laughs> anyway you just want to let that shit go don't even comb it <laughs> as a matter of fact just just set your clothes outside and let them sit out there for like three days and then put them on <laughs> you'll be good you really need you really need that smell to round out the outfit <laughs> yeah some will say it smells like teen spirit. God damn, I miss the 90s. I miss when, I miss when just living life the way I wanted to made me cool for a little brief period there. Like, the should 90s. I wear to school tomorrow the same jeans from yesterday? Perfect. They're still here on the floor. I don't even have to do anything. I don't know. I feel like the 90s was all the bad parts of the 80s combined with all the bad parts of now. It was all bad. I don't know. Don't say that. Things can always get worse. Well, I think that fortune has shown that to me. <laughs> so, yeah, um, do you guys want to talk about movies more? Or do you want to stay on fashion for a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever direction you want to take it. Oh, I was just going to... Yeah, the only other things I've watched, I, a couple of more movies down on the Marvel thing. So I got Spider-Man Homecoming in me, which is... It's still great. I'm sure we've talked about it on this podcast. We may have even done a whole episode about it. Can't remember if that's true or not. For which one? For Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah, I think we did. I seem to recall that we did, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, it's I still really like it. I've seen it a lot of times now because it's one of those ones that's available everywhere, and it's uh, but it doesn't wear off, which is nice. The other one I watched was uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is probably the best of the like funny Marvel movies, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. It's of the like compare it to like you know your Guardians and those types of movies. I think it's my favorite of them. It makes me a little sad when I watch it because I absolutely love the portrayal of Hulk in it. I think he's great, and it's knowing that it's he only gets the one movie in that persona. It's upsetting. Of course, there's like almost at least a, a movie where he was the main character behaving that way, acting like a fucking petulant child. <laughs> but he happens to be a giant monster so every time he throws something it just destroys everything around him and I forgot how much I liked that version of Hulk at the end when he tries when they finally make the decision to destroy the Asgard and they've got all the people loaded up on the fucking ship and Hulk's trying to stop the destruction of Asgard they're like no Hulk don't not that one and he's like but big monster like, he's raising a really good point in his two-year-old way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I don't are, know. You, are you moving around, Noah? No. Oh. 
think your mic is getting angry again. What's it, what's it doing? Just in general, uh, staticky sounds. Got that crazy buzz going on. It's not even a buzz. It just sounds like you're like rustling up against it. All right, here, let me fiddle with it a little bit. Oh, that's better. Oh, that's worse. That's yeah, that's not good. And better. I think every time you say better is when he's just not there. Probably. I mean, that's that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> How's it now? Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I love Thor Ragnarok, so I'm I'm excited to see uh, the next one. Yeah. And it kind of suffers in some ways too from what the Guardian series come where they get too comical and they don't feel like they necessarily have stakes. But I feel like because everybody in it is like a god or a Hulk or whatever, it's like, yeah, that's okay for them to just do these ridiculous over the top things and the laws of physics just don't really apply to them. So it's it's all fine. It kinda takes away that complaint. Yeah. Plus Jeff Goldblum was in it. So. Uh. And he's back to being Jeff Goldblum. I feel like uh, we saw him in like Wes Anderson movies for a lot of time, and not oh. much else. And I feel like I he kind of toned it down. Yeah, I feel like he kind of toned it down for those movies, and then now he just got to be like I think he showed up, and Taika was just like, just you know, be Jeff Goldblum, and it yeah, worked. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy that you want him to come in and play a role like that. An important role, but not necessarily a big role. And you need somebody who can just grab the spotlight, and he was able to do it. So, yeah. I'm wondering if he's going to show up in uh, Eternals. Hope so. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a one and done kind of guy, though. Possibly. I just want another season of. Uh, what was the name of the show? Jeff Goldblum explores the world or whatever. I, I haven't seen that yet. Sure uh, watch it. It's so good. He randomly makes subjects I could care less about. I couldn't care less about. He makes it fast and down. Definitely worth a watch. It's it's interesting where there's this, there's always this point in the show where you can't tell if he's actually as whimsical about his subject as he seems to be, or if it's just pure sarcasm and he's just, tearing it to shreds <laughs> but I feel like that's the best part like he could be bullshitting but I don't know he does seem really into the subject of denim jeans for some reason I'm just saying whenever he's interviewing people it seems like he's absolutely making fun of people to their face but he's just so charming that they don't get it <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I just need more of it. I'm trying to remember why did why did they cancel it? He said something somewhere, and, and oh, Disney did, was did like, they, nah. "Did they officially cancel it?" I hadn't heard anything. There was some thing. There was he commented that he would work with Woody Allen again. That's it. Yeah, he and said he would work with people, Woody Allen again, and people threw such a bitch fit that Disney decided not to renew it. No, is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, I never heard officially if they had canceled it or not, but it's just such a weird 
like I, I get it. I get that people find the whole Woody Allen thing creepy and stuff. But at mm. the end of the day, here's the thing. That dude's never been convicted of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I I just don't know. I'd, what, the, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. And I don't know. Like, obviously, you should take allegations like that seriously. But if they can't, uh, they can't provide evidence and actually do something about it, then, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. But yeah, so apparently uh, Jeff Goldblum said, yeah, I'd work with Woody Allen again. And that was enough for people to get really shitty. I didn't hear that they had officially canceled the show. I know people were with cancel culture was trying to cancel Jeff Goldblum in general. But that's a bummer, if true. Because we need more. We need more of that show. Yeah, the the ice cream episode was my personal favorite. Mm, That's a good one. They just literally did an episode about ice cream. Yeah, an entire hour-long episode of Jeff Goldblum fucking doing his whimsical imp waxing ecstatic about ice cream. It's and that's that's the entire show. That's like me talking about denim jeans was not me making something up. He literally does an entire episode about denim jeans and he makes it the most fascinating thing in the world. Yeah, more most specifically about people who like collect jeans or have mm-hmm. custom jeans made and stuff. Yeah, the people go into abandoned mines and try to find old denim that were left behind by miners. Same thing. He does a whole episode about basically Air Jordans too, about the people who collect those shoes and the links they go to to get the shoe and how they spot fakes and swap meets and shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's like, could be interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's it's way more interesting than it should be. If it was anybody but Jeff Goldblum, it would be boring as fuck. All right, I have to give that a watch. Yeah. Do you have any other movies you watch? No, I do not. Uh, well, I got a couple things. Um, so I watched the new Fangoria movie, Porno. Um which sounded like it had a pretty awesome premise where these uh, people, since, since you were talking about flashing back to the nineties earlier, this will sort of fit uh, these sort of high school kids uh, back in the nineties work in this movie theater and they discover this old closed off like projection room in the theater that none of them have ever found for. It's all like boarded up. And they find a weird movie, and of course they're like, "Well, we gotta watch it and see what it is." And it turns out it's an old movie that uh, has a demon trapped in it. So when you screen it, like the demon escapes and okay. starts killing them off one by one in the theater. Which I'm like, "Oh, that's that's fun," uh, yeah. but, but the movie is very boring. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah get- if that's not if you don't have fun with that premise, then you you, you can't really handle it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he, I don't know. They they screen the movie, and at first, and oh, the twist is too that the theater is owned by this super religious family, so everybody that works there is like from their church. And of course, it turns out one one of the kids is like closeted gay or whatever, and. He was actually, he went to like one of those conversion camps and stuff. And the main girl like had a crush on him. And, you know, this information like 
completely blows her mind. And I'm like, come on, it's obvious. Um, and there's just like a bunch of like, they try to like force feed a bunch of this character stuff where I'm just like, yeah, but we should be focusing on the fact there's a, there's a, there's a naked woman demon in the theater killing people. That's probably the more interesting part of this movie. And the movie keeps focusing on other stuff. So kind of a bummer because I love the premise and it let me down. How dare you, Fangoria? Uh, see, I don't know if anybody else remembered, but I decided to watch Jaws 2 to see if we could figure out if the shark was supposed to be uh, the mate or whatever to the shark from the first one. Right. I actually watched Jaws 2 as well. Oh. And what was your, uh, your conclusion? My conclusion is that the shark is not the mate. Yeah. Uh, Brody surmises that maybe if the first shark, like if they're attracted by sound, maybe the first shark could have, I don't know, screeched or something before it died and maybe called this shark. Um, but I think the expert kind of dismisses that in the movie. So yeah, the, it, it's literally just another shark shows up. Yeah, which is a weird coincidence, mm. but not as crazy as yeah. not as crazy as the the shark husband showing it's, up because it's pissed off. I can't. I couldn't even say it. I'm just like I'm trying to figure out how to word <laughs> like the sharks, and I was like, I don't know if it would be a husband or a wife because they didn't establish the gender of the shark in the first one. I uh, don't that's think. true. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird thing. <laughs> What did you think of Jaws 2? You haven't seen uh, it in a while. First time I've seen it in a long time. Uh, yeah. Kind of a lot more boring than I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. There's just a, it seems like a lot of stuff and a lot of, you have to kind of, <laughs> you have to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, dismiss some of the, your uh, disbelief in some of the stuff where... Yeah. I don't know how long it's supposed to be. Like, do they establish that it's like a year later or two years later or something? I was, else? Trying, to, I was trying to guess it based on the age of the kids. It's certainly more than two years. Yeah. Because the oldest kid is like a teenager now, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So when a, a more attacks start happening or, you know, but they can't confirm that, you know, these people were killed by a shark. But when Brody starts being like, well... Things kind of point to another shark. Everybody's like, this is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm like, you don't remember last time a shark attacked your town? Like there was. Are you, seri- are you seriously making this argument now? In 2020, you're making the argument that it's ridiculous that they would do that? That they would not believe him? Right. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it's, it's it seems ridiculous, but some of us logical people would look at stuff and be like, "Well, there was a shark a couple years ago. Maybe we should at least consider the fact that it could be another shark." So, uh, I've heard this complaint about the movie before, and this is my justification for it because I feel the need to justify Jaws movies. You got to remember that only three people went out on the orca. Right? Sure. So, to that town, there was what? Two deaths that occurred? 
and then some fishermen went out and killed the shark. Yeah. That's what happened to the town, right? So if you're Brody, this was this hugely traumatic event in your life. If you're everybody else, it's kind of a shitty summer, but the fishermen took care of it, and no big deal. The local sheriff went out with the local fishermen, and they killed the shark, and you might not even remember that the local fishermen died in the process, right? <laughs> Whereas Brody's the one that had to, like, paddle in from the middle of the ocean after blowing up a shark. So for him, it'd be a much bigger deal, I think. That's how I justify it. Sure, I guess. It's just, I don't know. I guess I kind of got tired of hearing, like, hearing that this was sort of the basis for some of the drama in the movie. Whereas I just would like to see more uh, shark action. Yeah, I, I always want to see sharks eat more people. I did like a lot of the shark action. I think it really works. I like those kids being trapped on the boats, drifting. Mm-hmm. Thought that part was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it had some good parts. Just, I don't know. Seems like a, it was very long. And uh, I feel like they could have tightened it up a little bit. Yeah, they were trying to make a 70s film, but it was like too close to the 80s. And they shouldn't have been trying to make a 70s film anymore. And I read apparently one of the ideas for the sequel was to have uh, Brody's oldest son and Quint's son team up to fight off another shark. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's terrible. I'm glad they didn't do that. I've seen a lot of articles that compare it to Saving Private Ryan with a shark. Well, I don't. That doesn't seem logical to me. They they say the original plot of the movie. That's what they say. I don't, I don't know how you do that. Uh, well, I think it was the two sons going to save someone trapped by the shark out in the <laughs> that's, water. That's. That would logically be the point, but I just don't understand how a shark traps somebody out in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm glad they didn't do that. But as we know, starting with Jaws 3, they just make it that, yeah, sharks, great white sharks for some reason have a vendetta against the Brody family, so. That's not true. In Jaws uh, three, in Jaws three is actually ironically the one where they do the family shark thing. They kill the baby shark, and the mom comes for revenge. No, all right, okay. Then Jaws part, four is part when they four, have it. Yeah. Then is the one where they, the shark has a vendetta against the Brody yeah. family, and yeah. can out out swim a plane, which is fantastic. It's, it's been it's been hired by the other sharks to go take out this family <laughs> that keeps killing sharks. <laughs> It's the quint of great white sharks. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, so we did find the truth. Sharks are unrelated to each other. Uh, let's see. Then I turned on Children of the Corn 3 because I had always heard that actually the third one is not terrible. It's just not a good Children of the Corn movie. That Which the actual premise of the movie uh, is decent. And three is uh, where two of the kids get adopted by family in the city. Okay. And then one of them starts, uh, starts sort of his own 
religion. Starts growing corn in like an abandoned building. Yeah, starts growing corn like in an abandoned lot and starts gathering other misfit kids or whatever to join this he who walks behind the rose nonsense while the other kid tries to be more normal. Uh, I don't know. It, it was not great. Uh, it's a 90s movie, so I feel like it's just... <laughs> It's a 90s direct-to-video Children of the Corn sequel. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. Was there a creepy red-headed kid who screams, Outlander! There's not. There's not, unfortunately. That is probably, head and shoulders, the best of the sequels to Children of the Corn. And there's like 11. So... (laughs) It's ridiculous how bad they all are, except for the, the the first movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it holds up like decently. Yeah. And I guess after that, it goes way off the rails. I keep watching them sequels. Yeah, I've seen them all. It's, I can. That's why I feel confident saying this one's the best. It's the only one that I think <laughs> wasn't terrible. I have a bunch of the other ones, and I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to venture forth, but we'll see. The only thing that's interesting about them is every, like, you start to get to see, like, famous actors and actresses show up in them mm-hmm. before they were famous kind of thing, which can be kind of fun. I can't remember who they all were. Uh, that would be a good uh, yeah. weekend marathon. Deep, deep fry it, some chicken wings and, and watch all the Children of the Corn movies. Would it? No. I don't think no. it would. You no. watch the first one, and then you take a nap while the second one's playing, and you watch that third one again, and then you go outside and enjoy some other some other activity. Now, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, and I could have a house full of friends over to do that all weekend, that would be a different story. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm not talking about by yourself. Well, I would have to fry a bunch of ch- chicken wings and watch them by myself right now, at least for another couple of weeks. Do like a Zoom call and have a watch party with your friends. I just don't even know if it's worth that. Yeah. So, um, after that, I watched uh, the Joe Bob version of The Exorcist Three. So I hadn't watched Exorcist Three in a while. So it was fun, like catching up with that movie, and then having all the Joe Bob stuff of him talking in between it just about how fucked up this movie was and how, you know, originally there was no exorcist in this movie and it wasn't even called exorcist three. It was called Legion. And then the producers were like, no, 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 it's going to be called exorcist three. So we need an actual exorcism in it. So you need to create a brand new character to place throughout the movie and show up at the end to do an exorcism. It's like, all right. And then, oh, we can't we can't film in the same cell that we did, so you're going to have to get Brad Dourif to come back and refilm his entire performance, which is amazing, but we're going to have to ditch all that and have him redo it from scratch. It's like, oh, fuck. This movie was so jacked up, but still a really good, good movie. It's just so much production problems behind the scenes. <laughs> It's crazy how well it turned out, considering. Uh, and then I was still in the mood for another Joe Bob movie, so I decided to watch one I hadn't watched yet. 
So I watched uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, because I love that movie. Fuck yeah. And uh, hadn't watched that in a while. Always good to see Michael Ironside in anything. So, uh, you know, it's a fun movie. If nobody's ever ventured past the first Prom Night, I would say definitely check out at least Prom Night 2. Uh, it's sort of like a mixture between Nightmare on Elm Street and Carrie. You gotta watch Prom Night 2. Then skip prom night three. Watch prom night four. See, I've not ventured past two, so. Four is magnificently bad. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's, it's, it, is a, it is a bad, bad, bad movie. And I, I love it. <laughs> so, still a lot of fun. Definitely worth, uh, worth checking out. Like I said, if you've never seen prom night two, give it a watch. It's got some, it's got some cool effects. There's a scene where this girl in one of her dreams gets pulled into a chalkboard, and the chalkboard turns into like a black water like whirlpool. And it's actually a pretty decent effect. So, some cool stuff. Uh, and then I guess the last thing I say, uh, finished up Dark Side of the Ring. Did you watch any of those, Doug? Uh, yes, I watched the Own Heart one. Yeah, that one's a bummer. It Which is. I, I knew it was going to be, but... Man. It's just asking, about were you sad when your friend died? And then they just <laughs> go to the next guy, were you sad when your friend died? <laughs> and they're all, everyone is like, nobody has a negative word to say about the guy, and there's no, like, clips mm. of anybody saying any anything negative about the guy before that either. <laughs> Yeah. They're like the one criticism they have is like, well, he didn't love wrestling as much as everybody else because he loved his family too much. I'm like, oh, that's a real. <laughs> you guys really got him there. Like, it's like, God damn it. Stop making me sad. Show. Yeah. Yeah. It was much more about talking about Owen's wife and her sort of vendetta against wrestling afterwards. It's kind of weird, though, because it's. Yeah. It, it's hard to criticize her for anything she's done. No. Like they're like, oh, you sued the company that put your husband in an unsafe situation, and then he died. Like, yeah, you're supposed to sue that company. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what lawsuits are for, right there. So, yeah. and which yeah. shows that when they that, explained uh, they explained how that yeah how all that shit was rigged up, and I'm like, that's the most horrible thing ever. Like, I would never, yeah, never be lowered on a on a rope that way. That's terrible. Yeah, I don't. It was it was sad. It was so, just like, if you haven't seen it, Noah, I'm, I'm sure you know about Owen Hart like falling from the rafters and dying oh, yeah. at a pay per view. Yeah, I was watching it. So they okay. showed they showed the normal rigging. Like this is a professional company. Company would come in. This is sort of the the rigging that you would get rigged up with, and it's pretty much like foolproof. Like you know. Everything would have to go catastrophically wrong for you to fall and die if you were rigged up this way. And then they're like, but they went with a cheaper company who didn't really do rigging. And they sort of just made some of this shit up. And they showed the clip and the clip was like a quick release clip. What the fuck was that? That was my phone doing something weird. Sorry. So the. So they showed this clip, and it's like a quick release clip because they thought the carabiner that he was using was taking too long. 
So they wanted him to like goddamn complicated ass carabiners. They wanted him to hit the ring and be able to just be like, ah, I'm free. It's like, all right. Couldn't give him like an extra 30 seconds to, you know, not die. But so So it's this clip, a plastic clip. No, it's still a metal clip, but it's, it's like this clip that has like a lever on it that if you wanted to quick release, you just hit that lever and the thing will like, let go like immediately. Okay, like so, a like a safety belt in an airplane. Uh sort of, I guess. But basically what they did was they ran a wire from that lever down and so basically told him whatever you do, don't pull this until you hit the ring. And my assumption is cuz he was wearing that weird feathery cape that he was trying to adjust it and pull it on accident because that's basically where it would have lined up and then fell to his death because the clip was a gigantic piece of shit that nobody should have been using to be lowered from the ceiling of like a sports arena. So it's ridiculous. It's, it's impressive that that sport has basically destroyed the lives of that entire family. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. You mean that family that, Really, the sport owes a lot to for how yep. build it. Uh, yeah, it's hey, yep. Hey. yep. And it's this and this definitely helped destroy it even more because I was I was doing some read up stuff about the aftermath after the episode was over and how like pretty much the entire family was like some of the family was on Owen's wife's side and then other people were like, no, you can't sue Vince McMahon, like. If you do that, he will. He won't do favors for our family in wrestling anymore. And so, like the family was like split down the middle and like all this crazy shit. And yeah, it's fucking terrible. And then somewhere, Bret Hart's like, you know, he's a piece of shit, right? They're <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but wrestling. Well, and that's the thing. He's a piece of shit who's in charge of wrestling on whole right and that that family was so dedicated to that industry and it was that industry was basically vince by that point yeah so we could go to a different uh wrestling show and they're like yeah british bulldog did that he's dead (laughs) fuck (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah so it's it's pretty sad but it's just I one of those things. To, I keep meaning to watch that show, and I still haven't. Yeah, it's, uh, they put them all up on YouTube, so I'm sure they're probably all up there. Um, I saw they're on Hulu too for some reason. Oh yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, yeah, like Doug said, it's it's just one of those that Owen Hart was one of those rare people in the wrestling industry that like nobody could say anything negative about him. Because everybody loved him to death. And so it's just like, really, of all the people, that's the one that's going to, you know, end up dying way too early. Damn it. Like, there's literally people in the documentary who claim that they could hear him yelling, watch out, as he was falling to his death because he didn't want to hurt anybody else on his way to the ring. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck. And that's the guy that gets, like, screwed. Yeah. Like, 
like it's so not fair. I've heard a lot of people say the same thing about uh, Eddie Guerrero too. That I guess Eddie Guerrero was like this super pleasant, lovely guy. Yeah. Out, outside of outside of his wrestling persona, which oddly enough was a skeezy asshole. <laughs> which I've heard after he got done after he quit drinking and doing a lot of drugs. Yes. Yep. It's never the people that deserve it. No. Uh, and then it's I watched. Too, cause, oh, good. Because even the sorry, the Road Warriors one. Did you watch yeah. that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, and, and that's the other one I watched. Yeah, and it's like that poor guy. Like, yeah, he did a lot of shitty stuff, but then he finally cleaned up his life, and then he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they did one of the, on the Road Warriors slash Legion of Doom, and Hawk essentially had. Just like a very up and down like life, he had drug problems and alcohol problems and all kinds of shit. And then, yeah, cleaned himself up and got super religious, and of course, died of a heart attack in his <laughs> when he when he went to take a nap. Like, yeah, that seems that seems about right. It's just yeah, it's weird. I mean, and I get it, like you abuse your body your whole life and then you clean it up and the damage is done right mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, that's what happened to Guerrero too so yeah yeah seems unfair but whatever yeah uh and then right before I came down uh watched the first episode of the new season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so uh, it was okay. Like, I'm just glad that they've said, like, okay, officially this is this is it. This is the last one. So I'm like, yeah, we need to start kind of wrapping all this shit up. Well, and I like it, too, when they announce it's the last season before it starts, so you know they're wrapping shit up. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know. They're on, like, their third wave. I remember wave. How, it, how it left off. It's Robot Coulson now, it's, right? Yeah, Life Model Decoy Coulson. Yeah, and they're on their like third way of trying to bring Colson back without actually bringing Colson back to life. So, but this season's about time travel. So my guess is the it'll end with them figuring out a way to save Colson from dying in the first first place. Maybe not in the Avengers, but dying on the show, and then saying, "Ah, oh, he's alive now. He never died that second time." And then it will be over. <sighs> you don't sound happy about that at all. Well, I don't know. It's just, it's like, why do you keep writing yourself into these corners? Like, you could have just not killed him and kept going forward. And I don't know. I I honestly think the, the, the battle with Graviton should have been the end of the show. Like, I don't know. That, it was a good setup with with the fact that they find out that he he basically sacrificed himself to set them up to win the fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and then him and May go off, and he dies on an island. I, I I don't know. I think that's just a good ending. And instead, I feel like they're dragging it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm gonna watch, but I'm not as excited about it as I thought I would be. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. So what are we doing next week? Uh, well, that's a good question. 
Um, and I thought I had this lined up perfectly, but I don't. Because Noah said he wanted to do some body snatcher movies, but didn't want to do it not at the beginning of a month. And I'm like, oh, we'll do it now. And then I realized this episode's going up at the beginning of the month, so we're going to be a week off. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We can do body snatchers. Well, fuck it. We're doing body snatcher month. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. What's what? What are we doing first? So, of course, we're going to do the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which I've never actually seen all the way through. I've seen most of it. Um, so this will be fifties version. Will be a first time watch for me. Uh, and then we'll get into a bunch of other ones in the following weeks, remakes and homages and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we're teaming the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers up with uh, War of the Worlds. Speaking of H.G. Uh, Lewis earlier. H.G. So, Wells. Or H.G. Wells. H.G. Lewis. I think were, you mixing, were you mixing H.G. Wells and C.S. Lewis? I think I was mixing H.G. Uh, right. Wells and Herschel Gordon Lewis. Okay. <laughs> I was getting ready to say H.G. Wells and C.S. Lewis. It would be like uh, Christian allegory, dystopian future. <laughs> I'd be fine with that, too. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so original Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the original... War of the Worlds. <laughs> the Lion, the Witch, and the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> just saying. You just made up a movie I want to see. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader to the Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You, so, is everybody excited? Body Snatching Month? I actually am excited for these. Yeah. As long as you guys don't figure out that I'm a pod person. Oh, too oh, late. I figured that a long time ago, dude. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I done screwed up my mission. Um, so this actually came because I was flipping through channels and the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Santras was on. And I was like, oh, I really want to watch this. I'm like, wait, I could make it so I have to watch it. I'm... It's somewhere between rewatching it and uh, uh, the the uh, the faculty. What? Oh yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? It's the ones that I'm the most excited about. It? No. Oh. It, it the, the 1978. The 1978. One. I thought you literally meant it. And the faculty, and I'm like, those are movies we're putting together. <laughs> in the middle of it, we're just editing in some Tim, editing in some Tim Curry. You know, why not? Sure. Might as well. Hey, earlier, you said you wanted to watch John Ritter movies. So. <laughs> yeah, we got to get John Ritter in there. Throw the original It in. Sure. We could probably, um, if you have the list open there, we could let listeners know what we're doing for oh. the next four weeks now, and then we could... Uh, uh, here, let me uh, pull it up. Uh, uh, original Body Snatchers, War of the Worlds, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, and The Puppet Masters. Double, uh, uh, Donald Sutherland double feature. Yeah. Uh, Body Snatchers, 93, and The Arrival. 
and the faculty and the invasion. Mm-hmm. The invasion with uh, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig, which I didn't realize till afterwards. People, I still haven't seen it, but people said, "Oh, it's another remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers." I was like, no. "It is." I don't. I, in retrospect, I vaguely remember it coming out, but I—that's the one I don't know much about. Yeah, from what I remember, I think there was a bunch of problems this movie on set as well. So sounds right. I think a stunt person died while they were making it, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah. Daniel you know, Craig does all those Bond movies, and this is one where a stunt person gets killed. <laughs> yeah, it was like a car chase or something. Yeah, so yeah, I'm excited. Body snatchers. Yeah, because I think the only the only actual body snatcher ones I've seen is the '78 one and the Faculty. Never seen the '90s version, and I've only seen parts of the original. I've seen the '90s one, and I cannot remember a fucking thing about it. So that's not a good sign. <laughs> I, I'm the same way with that one, and I I do remember Puppet Masters because the '93 one was made for TV, right? Uh, I think I remember it being a big made for TV event type thing. Make Tilly's in it. I didn't even know that. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't say. Usually Philip Kaufman was supposed to direct it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So we'll find out. The fun thing is looking to see if any of these movies are actually available to watch. So, the first two are. Mm-hmm. I this, checked that. This body uh, snatchers one might be <laughs> problematic. The '93 one. Yeah, so it's available for rent pretty much everywhere. Okay, well that's good. Kind of pisses me off that they're, they're charging five bucks to rent it on most of the platforms up here, but sacrifices me. Uh, the rest of them I think would be easy enough to find oh it says it's free on Voodoo with ads so and then it looks like it's only three bucks to rent everywhere down here because we're awesome yeah. oh it's just that's the call and exchange rate mm-hmm. I don't know how that works it means you're paying the same price as me <laughs> I live in a country with healthcare and pay the same price as you for ah fuck off <laughs> oh, Arlie Ermey's in this one too. Didn't know that. Forrest Whitaker and his wonky eyeball. This should be fun. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker doing the gravelly point and scream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if he just plays Ghost Dog in it? That'd be even better. He's just walking around cutting up body snatcher pods with like a katana sword. I'd sweet. Now I I definitely want to see somebody fight aliens with a katana. So we're gonna come up. We said I was gonna come up with two movies with that theme, so we can do a show on it. Like, Forrest Whitaker, what are you doing? He's like, I'm Ghost Dog, just chopping shit up. I'm Ghost Dog. He just keeps yelling with it. Yeah. Is that his name in the movie Ghost Dog? I haven't actually seen it. I haven't either, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just assuming. Cover of it. <laughs> Anything else? They they weren't even rolling yet. He's just running around doing that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Shit is getting off the rails tonight. This has not been an organized episode, and we are not ending it well. It's uh, the most expensive invasion of the body snatchers, just because Forrest Whitaker kept destroying the fucking sets with the (laughs) katana. 
We didn't say action yet. Fuck you, I'm ghost now. <laughs> They're like taking the sword away, like, stop it. And they like walk off to like throw it away, and he just pulls another sword out from underneath of his trench coat. Ghost dog always has another sword. <laughs> uh, it's like the Leroy, Leroy Jenkins of its time. He just runs around yelling, Ghost dog, runs into shit. <laughs> Just, just see him come running out of nowhere, scream ghost dog, and he cuts the craft services table in half. <laughs> <laughs> the other actors are like, God. All the extras that were just waiting for their turn to get free food, because that's all they're getting for the day. Like, fuck. <laughs> oh, co-written by Stuart Gordon. Didn't know that either. Oh. Fucking Forrest Whitaker and his stupid katana. <laughs> Fucking ruining my carrots. How dare he? <laughs> yeah, nothing about Ghost Dog in the trivia. That's disappointing. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I can't believe you were checking. <laughs> you never know. You have to be on your toes. That's amazing. <sighs> You're right. We could probably edit there. <laughs> Jesus. As if it was going to say Forrest Whitaker impersonating Ghost Dog on set. <laughs> kept chopping up the pods with his katana sword. Come on, tell me that wouldn't be amazing and you would definitely watch that. Destroyed three spools of 16 millimeter film. <laughs> it's like, damn it, Forrest. And he's like, I do, not, I do not answer to Forrest. I only answer to Ghost Dog. Ghost dog. Somebody take his fucking sword away. Send him back to his trailer. <laughs> there needs to be a crossover with Ghost Dog and fucking Body Snatchers. Someone needs to make it happen. I don't think that that does need to happen. It needs to happen, Doug. You don't understand. <laughs> the world just... needs it. I just it would it would be the greatest moment of my life if I found out that Forrest Whitaker does in fact on the sets of films carry around a katana and write just <laughs> screen goes dog get <laughs> something with his katana and then he just puts it up and walks away like he didn't do anything. God damn it! Why don't we know Forrest Whitaker? We could make this a reality. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the, the built-in assumption to your statement there was that if we asked him nicely, he would do this. I'd be like, Forrest, come on, it'd be really funny, dude, if we filmed this. It's like, no. Like, come on, you're on Star Wars set, and you're just like, ghost dog, and you keep hitting Daisy Ridley with your katana sword. It'll be great. Poor Daisy Ridley. Oh, he was on Rogue One, so he wasn't with her. Whatever. Still funny. Still funny if he is hitting Daisy Ridley, and she's like, "What are you even in this movie?" Even, even funnier. He's on the set of a movie he's not in. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.